things that we want to just continue to reiterate. And the first one is that fellowship with God is your number one purpose. All other purposes are not only secondary, but they are dependent upon your fellowship with God. So every purpose that Father God has created and intended for your life will only be uh, accelerated and improved uh, through fellowship with Him. Amen. You'll be a better husband, a better wife, a better mother, a better father, a better son, a better daughter, a better preacher, a better teacher, whatever uh, it is that, that God has you know you doing in, in His big world and kingdom. Uh, will all be more effective through our fellowship with Him. We were created by God in the image and likeness of God so that we could have fellowship with God. We've also learned that God is an eternal community dwelling in absolute communion. And communion means sharing and exchanging. Think common union. So what we're learning is that we were created by God for fellowship with God. This means the eternal community that is God created you to have an equal share in their common union. Now, our key verse for this study is 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. It says, God is faithful. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. The Holy Spirit through the Apostle John in 1 John, we're not going to turn to that verse tonight, but He talks about this same fellowship and He says that, that He's spoken the things that He's heard and received from God to God's people so that we might have fellowship with John and with Jesus and with God the Father and with the Holy Spirit and with all the other born-again believers. And one of the last verses that we looked at, and this was Wednesday a week ago, by the way, thanks again, Brother Donald, bringing such a masterful word to us uh, last Wednesday evening. But the last verses we looked at was in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, where we see Jesus standing at the door knocking, and he says, If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. And this verse is, again, a fellowship passage. And he is not knocking on the door of the sinner's heart, but he's knocking on the door of the church to see that if any of the born-again believers who are in the church, in the ecclesia, are interested in going and having a meal with him. So a lot of times we get so caught up in, in doing church that we overlook the fellowship. Amen. And that's true with our fellowshipping with one another as well as our fellowshipping with, uh, with God. And so he's knocking on the door of the church looking for those who will fellowship with him, who will have a meal with him. And this uh, dining with someone is, is an intimate uh, experience. Amen. Sharing a meal, breaking bread together is a very beautiful and very powerful thing. And this, of course, is something that we see uh, Father God, Jesus, desiring to uh, enjoy together with us. Now, we've said that, and I want to try to review this quickly because there's some, a lot of ground that I want to try to cover tonight, but we've said that fellowship is Father's purpose for us, but as is the case with so many other things, Satan tries to offer us a substitute, something less than. He's always trying to negotiate us into something less than God's highest and best for our lives. And so we see, sadly, uh, in the body of Christ today, a personal relationship with, with Jesus is considered to be the gold standard of Christianity. And we've 
looked at this very carefully in the scriptures, and we see that not, not even Jesus has a personal relationship with God the Father, that it's mutual, it's not personal. And so we've been kind of unpacking this concept of, of, a, of a personal relationship. And remember we said that personal means private, secretive, exclusive, self-defined, and then unique to the individual. So no one has a private, secretive, exclusive, self-defined, unique to the individual relationship. Remember, Father didn't call you to have any kind of relationship with him that you choose to have. And we spent almost a, a week and a half looking at the parables Jesus um, gave us to illustrate this, where we see uh, in Matthew 20 and then again in Matthew 22, different parables, common theme, all coming to the same conclusion. Many are called, few are chosen. And what we see is that those who are chosen are those who are willing to have fellowship with God on His terms. Instead of you calling the shots and you setting the terms of the relationship. It's when you surrender to what it is that he desires to have, experience, and enjoy and share with you. And that is the difference between called out ones, which again, born again people who will be in heaven one day, versus chosen ones here upon the earth. So the first problem with personal relationship is the word personal. And we've looked again extensively at what that means and why that's incorrect. The second problem with personal relationship is, you guessed it, the word relationship. And for starters, the word relationship is too vague and fails to communicate the level of oneness, commitment, and intimacy God desires to share with his people. And this is another one of those areas where we need precision. That's kind of been a theme starting all the way back at the end of 20. 22 now, um, halfway or better through 2023, is the Holy Spirit consistently bringing precision to things that we have previously understood, maybe even talked about, but to really, I think, zero in on uh, and be precise about what it is. So we were created with fellowship with God, so this leads to, I think, a few questions. What is fellowship, and then how is fellowship different from relationship. How is fellowship different from relationship? Because it's very easy for us to to use those two words interchangeably as if they mean the same thing, but what we see both in Scripture, but also as well as in just a Webster's Dictionary, is that these words do not mean the same thing. Now, fellowship originates in the Godhead, and if that's an unusual term for you, by Godhead, we mean God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God is three, yet one. And we see that fellowship originates in the Godhead, in the triune God, in the Trinity. And I want you to begin to think of fellowship being as much God as holiness is God. Fellowship is more than something God does. Fellowship is who He is, who God is. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit don't just have fellowship. They are a fellowship, capital F. Let me try to say it another way. If you removed fellowship from the Trinity, they would no longer be God. 
So we know that God is holy. We know that God is love. But if you understand what fellowship is, then you'll see also that in the same way that God is holy and God is love, that God is fellowship. Now, words mean something. And we need to pay attention to the words that we use. The Bible says that we will give an account for every idle word. And the problem with personal relationship goes much deeper than the words. Now, stay with me here for a minute because I, I know, and I'll be honest with you, I have, I have wrestled a little bit with this um, myself, and I think what the Holy Spirit has for me to give to us tonight is, is, is going to help clear up maybe some confusion or, you know, it's like, so what's the difference here? What's the big deal? All right. Um, but I believe it was Shakespeare who said, a rose by any other name would still smell as sweet. In other words, if you called a rose something else, it would still be a red flower that smells, you know, with a distinct aroma. And so a lot of times I think people may use a word that means something to them that doesn't necessarily mean the same thing to another person. Sanctification is a classic example of that in the body of Christ today. Man, sanctification and what that means varies from denomination to denomination. And um, I'm not going to try to just wade off into that, but you say sanctification in some circles, they're hearing a completely different, perhaps, uh, message just from the word and what they believe the word means and how it happens and so forth and so on okay so i'm not trying to um you know be frustrating with this because the problem with the words personal relationship goes much deeper than the words the real problem is the mindset behind the words and we've used this phrase uh on multiple occasions throughout our study and the phrase is a personal relationship mindset. That's what's got to change. The personal relationship mindset. See, a lot of people say, okay, Pastor Mark, well, we won't call it personal relationship anymore. We'll call it fellowship. But they still have a personal relationship mindset, even though they're not using that terminology anymore. And that's not the answer either, okay? So let me see, and, and I really spent some time with this today because I, I want to break this down to the the simplest, most understandable factor that, that, that I, I can. Amen. And with the Holy Spirit's help, we're going to do that. So watch this now. Just go with me for a few minutes here, okay? Imagine for a moment me introducing my dad as simply being someone I'm in a relationship with. So someone new to the church, and Pastor Mark, hey, that man back there towards the back, he kind of looks like you. Who is he? Oh, that's somebody I have a personal relationship with. Well, do I have a personal relationship with my dad? I mean, do I have a relationship? Yes, I do. But what's wrong with me just categorizing him and his place in my life with such a generic, vague description? Are you following me? Would Pam be honored, as my wife now of almost 36 years, just a few days we've been married, 36 years, would Pam be honored if someone asked me who she is and I responded by saying, oh, she's someone I have a relationship with? Now, again, that would be accurate, 
But that's certainly not honoring her. Oh, you're talking about the lady back there? Yeah, yeah, that's Pam. I have a relationship with her. That would not only be dishonoring to her, it would potentially be offensive. Somebody found out later, that's his wife of 36 years. They think, man, what a jerk. Just categorizing her as somebody that he has a relationship with. You see, Pam would not be honored if I used those words to characterize who she is to me, but even more dishonoring would be for me to have that mindset towards her. Be one thing for me just to introduce her that way, and that would be bad enough. But even worse than me saying, oh, that woman? (laughs) Yeah, I have a relationship with her, personal relationship with her. We do a lot of things together. We spend time together. Yeah, I, sp- I spend some time with her every day. I start, I start my day with her. Matter of fact, I don't leave home unless I don't, you know, without talking to her for at least five minutes. But see, that, you, now I'm, I'm, trying, I'm not trying to be sarcastic, but I'm just trying to show you. See, that's, but that's how a lot of people, you know, oh yeah, man, I've got a personal relationship with God. Man, we, we, we spend time together every morning before I start my day. And, and again, we think this is the gold standard of Christianity. But it's so far beneath who Jesus is to us and desires to be to us in the same way that, yeah, she's a woman that I'm in relationship with is so far beneath who Pam is to me. Do I have a personal relationship with Pam? Yeah, I mean, I guess that's accurate. But again, it falls way short of communicating who she truly is to me. It falls short of communicating the place that she has in my heart. It falls short of communicating the intimate bond that we share and the love and joy that she brings to my life. I guess in a nutshell, she deserves more from me than that. Because we have more than that. Now you say, yeah, but you're talking about your wife now, Pastor Mark. I am, but remember what we see in Ephesians 5, that the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul talks about the, the beautiful oneness that, that, that exists between a husband and a wife. And he says, listen, uh, it's, it's not that the church is like marriage. It's not that the, relationship, the, the fellowship, the oneness that we have with Jesus is like marriage. It's, the, it's that marriage is like the oneness we have with Jesus. In, in other words... What we have with him is meant to be reflected in an earthly way through the oneness of a covenant relationship that is a marriage. He says, I'm not just speaking about a man and a wife now. I'm talking about Christ and the church and the oneness that exists through covenant relationship between Jesus and his bride. So again, to simply say that Jesus has a relationship with his father is woefully inadequate. So, fellowship then is challenging to define in the same way God being three yet one is hard to explain because it's, there's an element of mystery to it because it's divine. I, I, I know, and listen, those of you who've been around here you know, for more than 10 minutes, you know that I'm curious and I love to figure things out and I love to understand things. But, but here's, here's, the, here's the beautiful part of, 
of belonging to God. Amen? He's not a man. He, he is a being that creates men. Are you understand what I'm saying here? And when it comes to God, you're going to have to get comfortable with some things just simply being a mystery. Now, maybe I'm speaking more to myself here than I am, you know, uh, to other people because I, I like to figure out and uncover every mystery. I like, man, I just want to know. I got to know, want to know, want to understand, want to understand. And, and I have a lot of theories about things that, that the scriptures, I can't show you in three places in the Bible to preach it confidently from the pulpit. Again, I'm not going down those roads. But, you know, how exactly God breathes stars out of his mouth It's a mystery to me, but I believe he does it. I believe he does it. Now, in the same way, fellowship is a heavenly and divine reality that God desires to share with us on earth. Fellowship is something that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit have enjoyed for all of eternity past and will continue to enjoy for all of eternity future. It is a beautiful, beautiful thing. It is, it is precious. It is glorious. It is satisfying beyond any comprehension we have the ability to, to muster up. And he created you to be in the same fellowship with him as Jesus, according to the word of God. Now, I want to take the time that we have left this evening, and we'll probably have to continue this next week, but I want to talk to you in the time that we have remaining about relationships. Because every relationship is an earthly effort to accomplish the divine reality of fellowship. Why, why do we desire relationships with other people? Why does the devil want to divide and undermine and undercut relationships of, of every kind? Friendships, marriage relationships, business relationships, any, any productive, healthy, beneficial relationship, Satan is opposed to it. One of the names, biblical names for uh, Satan is Diabolo, which literally means one who comes in between the two for the purpose of dividing. I think it's Frude that makes a, a saw blade called a Diabolo. And, and that's, the, that's a Greek name for the devil. It's because there's a hunger in us for fellowship with God that we... And, and by the way, remember when it was just God and Adam, God said, it's not good for you to be alone. The Lord kind of, and, and again, maybe you got this years ago. I have, I've had tunnel vision where that was concerned. In the sense that it's not good for you to be alone, you need a wife. But when God said it wasn't good for him to be alone, he wasn't just talking about one more human being on planet earth. In other words, we, we, we were created to have fellowship with God and to have fellowship with, with other human beings. And not, not just our spouse. Amen. If you think about it, some of the most beautiful, memorable, awesome experiences in your life, it involved another person. 
and or involve God. And on the other side of that coin, some of the most painful, regretful, negative experiences in your life (laughs) involved another person. We, We were created for fellowship, both with God and with other people. Now, after reading multiple definitions, and I'm going to just be as straight with you as I can be. I came here to preach an entirely different message this morning. But it was like the Holy Spirit just began to download this. And I really think this is going to help us on a lot of levels, okay? And I'm excited uh, about um, presenting this, and I'm believing the Holy Spirit's going to help us connect with it in a meaningful way. But after reading multiple definitions, I've concluded... I've, I've come to this conclusion with the Holy Spirit itself. I've come to this conclusion that there are five factors involved in any relationship, five factors of any relationship, and each of those five factors are variable. Five factors. In other words, so you'll understand kind of, you know, behind the curtain, so to speak. You know, what's, how do we come to this? We came to this because I, I, I wanted to give you in about you know, 48 seconds a definition of relationship and then we have biblical and dictionary relationship of fellowship, I mean definition of fellowship. And so obviously we wanted to try to compare the two. But in the same way that fellowship is divine and therefore challenging to... Um, Define it's divine and therefore challenging to de- define it. <laughs> exactly what a relationship is can can be um, a, a bit challenging, right? Because there's all kinds of, of relationships, all kinds. So this is how the Holy Spirit showed me uh, to present it. Okay, five factors of any relationship, and each of these factors are variable. Meaning what? Meaning there's a spectrum. So the, the first factor, and, and, and in this order, in this order, number one factor in relationships is connection. Connection. Okay? I'm, I want to I give you all five, and then we'll talk about as many of them as we have time for, okay? So let me just put them all on the screen. Connection is number one. Number two is commitment in this order. So the first factor of any relationship is connection. And you understand that the connections we have with people are variable. We could say it this way. We're closer to some people than we are to other people. Some relationships that we have, for for example, I have a connection with America's First Federal Credit Union. And I have a connection with my nephew Daniel. Are you, are you, you see what I'm saying? And, and while both of these are relationships, they're certainly not the same. And what connects me to a credit union versus what connects me to my nephew, two completely different things. That's what we mean by variable. Variable. Now, I'm talking more about connection here than I meant to because I wanted to give you the overview, but let me just stay with this for a moment, okay? So you understand that when we say connection with another person is where a relationship is established or is defined by, okay? 
Connections are something that we can cultivate, we can develop. Are you with me? Spending time with people, having conversations with people, eating barbecue after church together on a Sunday, getting to know people, introducing yourself to people that you, you've never met. Are you following what I'm saying? So even the connections that we have, don't misunderstand me, I love all of my nephews, but I have more opportunity to be with Daniel and Joel because we minister together here at this church than I do, um, you know, Jesse and Chase and Will and Jordan. If they're watching this, I'm trying to hurt their feelings. I'm just saying. I have more opportunity to develop the connection with my two youngest nephews than I do the older ones. They have grown, moved off, married, got kids, got their own lives. I understand that. Praise God. But if you look at five or six different definitions of relationship, you're going to find this word connection in, in four out of five of them or five out of six of them because, you know, it's a factor in, in, in every relationship and it begins with a connection, okay? Then commitment. It's one thing to have a connection with someone. It's another thing to, to be committed. And so in the same way that the connections can, can, can vary, so can the commitment. Number three is really important, and, and it's regard. Okay? Regard, you say, that's a weird word. I thought it was weird too, but it's the one the Holy Spirit dropped in me, you know? And, and as it relates to, you know, biblically speaking, I want you to think of regard as agape. Anybody remember the first thing I want you to think of when you hear the word Agape. Respect. Anybody remember the first thing I want you to think of when you hear the word philo? Feelings. Feelings. <laughs> All right, feelings. Amen. Both of these words are words translated love from the original Greek language into our English language, okay? With vastly different meanings, okay? So the regard that you have for another person is a major factor in relationships that we have with other people other people groups, other businesses, what, what have you, okay? In other words, you have a relation. With, our family has a relationship with a Mexican restaurant in Hoover called La Fiesta. I started eating at La Fiesta. Pam and I started eating at La Fiesta before Bethany was born. I went to work for the city of Hoover in 1987, and that was about the same time that La Fiesta opened. And we have eaten there for years and years and years. I, I tell Sergio, I said, I drive past 30 Mexican restaurants to come eat at yours. And we laugh about it, you know. And um, now that my grandkids have... See, I don't think they ever knew my name unless they, you know, looked at the debit card receipt. Um, but when I started having grandsons, okay, the servers at this Mexican restaurant get my grandchildren Christmas gifts, okay, if that, if that tells you anything. So the, the point I'm trying to make is there is a regard. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? There's nothing against any other Mexican restaurant. I'm sure you've got your favorite, all right? But that is a relationship that we have with a business. And there's a reason why we frequent that particular. So that when I say variable, 
Regard is variable. Commitment is variable. Connection, variable. Then, then number four is behavior. And then number five, believe it or not, is emotions. And that's, that's, where, that's where the filio or the feelings um, comes in. Now, I want to point something out before we kind of work our way through this. We've got a few more minutes, okay? A lot of people, and let me just say it this way, if the world was making this list, they would put emotion somewhere at the top. And a lot of folks make the mistake of letting emotions become the driving factor in their relationships. Big, big mistake. Let's not do that anymore, okay? All right, let's, let's work our way through some of these. First of all, connection. The first variable factor of any relationship is the connection that defines it. I have a connection that defines my relationship with America's First Federal Credit Union, and I have a connection that defines my relationship with Pam. And here's a really, really important point, okay? Covenant and seed define the strongest possible relationship connections. Okay? Covenant, earthly speaking, heavenly speaking, um, Pam and I have a marriage covenant that we entered into before God and holy witnesses, and God miraculously, through entering into that covenant before Him with one another, He joined us together and made us one. So when we talk about connections, the, 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 the strongest possible relationship connections come through covenant and or seed. Okay? So obviously, I'll use Matthew as an example. We, we came from the same seed. We, we both have the same parents. Amen. And so this, this creates a bond. Uh, Brother Tim Dean was with us on, um, for our 25th anniversary. He travels a lot with his business, but he really wanted to be here for the 25th celebration. And I was talking to him afterwards and tears streaming down his face. because he, he hasn't been here since... You know, we had guitars and drummers and whole band and all that stuff. And tears streaming down his face. He said, man. He said, I guess less is more. He said, that music was amazing. And certainly it's anointed and all that stuff. But, but see, there's another factor going on here. There's, there's genetics involved in their harmonies. Are you with me? Amen. So you got Vanessa and then you got Matthew and then you got their seed, Daniel. Right, and there's there's something going on there that's a strong connection. Now, I'm, again, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but if seed and or covenant make possible the strongest relationship connection, you do understand what that means. That now we've been born again of an incorruptible seed, the seed of the living Word of God, and we have blood covenant with God the Father. It's not it's not either or. It's both and seed and covenant now. It's what has connected us with Him eternally. Amen. Okay? All right. Now, relationships then are defined by the connection that creates them. So, example, I go to school with her. I work with him. We live in the same subdivision. Oh, I attend the same church with him. He cuts my hair. He makes the best burrito in Birmingham. Whatever. Okay? So it's, again, it's different things that, you know, the relationships in, again, one more time, are defined by the connection that creates them. 
So that's the first factor. The second variable factor of any relationship is commitment. You see, it's one thing to have a connection, but another thing altogether to be committed to the person or people you are connected to. A covenant can create the strongest connection possible between two people, but weak or waning commitment will diminish the effectiveness of their relationship. Now, I don't, I don't want to you know, think that I'm fussing or anything of that nature, but I just want to share my heart with you, if I could tonight, please, okay? You know, I, I remember back in the younger days, um, uh, my parents, you know, driving home, they would, they would always know when our pastor was about to leave, because he would start fussing, as they said. they go, oh, he's fussing, you know. And sure enough, it wouldn't be long, man. He'd be offering his resignation, you know what I'm saying? And, and one of the things that pastors sometimes fuss about is the people that aren't coming to church. And I remember, like, dude, I'm here. You know, people that, people that you're fussing at aren't here to hear you. You know what I'm saying? We're here, okay? So I don't want you to think that I'm fussing about people not coming to church. But listen to me, please. I desire as a servant leader of this family of faith for those who are connected to us to be more committed to us. Just what I'm saying. Amen. For those who are... See, it's one thing to have a connection. Really, really, really funny story. And I won't use any names in case they're watching, but there was a young man. He met a young lady away from this church and and they started dating, and um, by the way, they're married today, uh, and they're not here tonight, but they, they come very regularly. But anyway, um, after I don't know how many dates, she said, look, you know, we're starting to get serious, and, you know, if we're going to get more serious in our relationship, then you've got to go to church with me. And, um, and she'd been coming for months and months and months every time the doors were open. Well, I, don't, I think she worked on Wednesdays, but Sunday morning, anyway. And he's like, okay, that's fine, that's fine, but um, I'll go with you, but you're going to have to go to church with me. And she said, okay, um, where do you go to church? He goes, I go to Heritage Christian Center. And she goes, is that right? He goes, I sure do. She said, well, you know, I've been there every Sunday for the past three months, and I haven't seen you a single time. Now, what am I saying? I'm not trying to bash anybody. I'm just trying to show you. There are a lot of people who are connected to this place that hadn't been here in years. See what I'm saying? There's a connection. I don't mean this, how do I say this, with all humility and whatever. They'll call me to preach their funeral. And I'll go do the best I can. Don't misunderstand me. I'm here to serve. But when we talk about these different variables, it's one thing to have a connection, and that can be variable, you know, sliding scale, spectrum, what have you, from very little to one together with. And then the next factor, again, is variable, is the commitment. Is the commitment. See, there, listen to me, there are a lot of folks who are struggling in their marriage, not because they don't have a connection. God has joined them together Two spirits become one. But where you cultivate the success of a marriage is in what I call the soulish realm. The thinking, the emotions, and the choices. Right? Spirit, soul, and body. Amen, I don't see any super young people here tonight. Okay, so 
spirit, soul, and body, God joins the spirit together through covenant. Then the bodies are joined together as an outward expression of the inward oneness. Okay? God takes care of this part. Young, healthy people have a hard time waiting to do this before God does that. Okay? But the long-term success of the marriage is not in the spiritual union, so to speak, or the physical intimacy, but it's can we become compatible in our thoughts, our choices, and our feelings, right? Can, can, we, can we not necessarily think alike, but get on the same page, get in agreement with one another? Can we understand one another? Can, can we work together with the, with the different emotional makeups that, that we have? And by the way, um, healthy people are still growing, I'm, I'm not the same man that Pam married 36 years ago, hopefully. <laughs> amen. That'd be a good spot for you to say amen, darling. Amen. Praise God. All right. Okay, you still with me? So commitment. Commitment. How committed are you to the connections that exist in your life? All right. Now, amen. Oh, where's the time going? Can you stay with me for a minute or two longer? All right. So you see, connection without commitment is becoming the norm in our world. Do you think about that? Connection without commitment. Again, I'm not here to rail against social media. We're live streaming on social media right now, taking advantage of that technology. So I'm not here to bash that. But the point I'm trying to make, though, is that social media has become a, a contributor to that. And it's also become a contributor to, to people being very critical and judgmental. Because, you know, you can just get in the privacy of your home or bedroom and you can just blast away at people, you know, without having any kind of, uh, you know, physical connection uh, to them. So, again, connection without commitment is sadly becoming the norm in our world. All right, let's, let's do regard and then we'll, we'll uh, pick it back up here next week. So, regard is the third relationship variable. Regard means the respect and consideration the individuals in a relationship have for one another. Preferring the interest of others ahead of your own and esteeming others better than yourself are the gold standards of regard for others. Regard for self above regard for others damages and weakens relationships. And this brings us back to something we've mentioned early and often, and that's this approach to relationships, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? Withholding regard as an attempt to leverage regard will never work. We'll say that again. Withholding regard as an attempt to leverage regard will never work. What does that mean? I'm not going to show any respect to him because he doesn't show any respect to me. I'm not going to put his interest ahead of mine because he has never a single time put his interest ahead of me. Are you, do you follow what I'm saying? Or my interest ahead of his? I didn't say that correctly, but you understand what I'm trying to say. In other words, it's the idea that um, I'm not going to regard you until you regard me. It doesn't work that way. Aren't you glad that, that God the Father didn't wait for you to show Him respect before He showed you some love and mercy and grace? Amen. 
Now, the world will tell you, well, if you start doing that, you'll get walked all over. They can't beat you. You, you can't lose with this kind of Christ-like, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, right? That he instructed us to follow. Praise God. All right, stand with me. I, I want to keep going. I could go another two hours tonight. Stay. We'll pick this up, I promise. Are you getting anything out of this? Is it helping you? Okay. So obviously the next one is behavior. Behavior. And, and you think, that's such an important factor. Surely, surely how we behave should be somewhere towards the top of this list. Well, you see, if we have strong connections, if we have strong commitments, if we have the proper regard for one another, then guess what? We're going to treat people that we're in relationship with correctly. If, 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 if people in relationship with one another are not behaving properly towards one another, it's because they don't have a strong enough connection or they don't understand the connection that they have. They're weak or waning in their commitment to one another and they're failing to regard one another the way they should regard. Are you with me? Not giving consideration to and so, because of that, this is where we start acting badly towards one another. And then, of course, the emotions follow suit. Okay, so we'll get into that more next week. Okay? Now, say, so Pastor Mark, I thought we were talking about fellowship and personal relationship is a substitute. No, we are, okay? And some of you are already way ahead of me. I, I kind of did this on the connection part when we talked about seed and covenant. But when you have connection, commitment, regard, behavior, and emotions all in their absolute highest level, it ceases being a relationship and it becomes fellowship. That th these are the, you know, all of these variable factors of a relationship we see. And I'm gonna, we're going to take the time to walk through it. Some of you are already ahead of me. But we'll walk through. Do you realize... The connection that Father God has with you and you have with Him, a lot of people don't, but the commitment that He's made to you, the regard He has for you, the, how He's behaved towards you, the emotions in His heart, amen. See, all of this at the absolute highest possible level. See, this is, it, it's sometimes hard for us to comprehend. The same fellowship with God the Father is Jesus. Can I tell you what that screams? It screams regard. That's the regard he has for you. That's the respect, the desire, the longing that he has for you. Amen. Father, we thank you for this time together tonight. I thank you for helping us, Lord, connect with these truths in powerfully meaningful ways. Lord, that we would, first of all, understand them and, and benefit from them. Because, Lord, you are all about healthy, productive connections and commitments and us having proper regard for one another and behaving properly towards you and towards them and the emotions that go along with all of this, Father. Uh, these things are things that you designed and created that Satan has tried to hijack and manipulate and use against us. But, Father, I thank you that we have the victory over him because greater is he who's in us than he who is in the world against us. I thank you, Father, that we have the victory over him because we are not ignorant of his devices. And, Lord, because of your truth and spirit of truth in us, Lord, we, we are not deceived by the enemy. Father, I thank you for these spiritual and at the same time practical things that you're revealing to us and helping us, Father, have a fully developed, well-rounded understanding of how to be successful 
in fellowship with you and in fellowship with others. And we thank you for it tonight in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for being here this evening. Much love to you and good things coming. Remember Father's Day this Sunday. We'll have a great time uh, together. You be blessed and we'll see you Sunday if not before.